0: Hi, this is Aaron Asrod, and welcome to Truth Island. Our first discussion deals with truth and overcoming the philosophy of nihilism. To gain a full appreciation of our talk, I'm going to define a few terms and give a brief history as to where nihilism, existentialism, and postmodernism derive from as their meanings are often used interchangeably and can often present a barrier to understanding for those without a philosophy background. I recommend that before listening to our first episode, you listen to this brief introduction so that you, the listener, don't get bogged down with a lot of the jargon and philosophical constructs we often allude to. Philosophy can sometimes have a very daunting barrier. But it is our intention to make this discussion as inclusive as possible so that the greatest amount of listeners can derive some form of meaning. I hope you enjoy. In the year 395 AD, the Roman Empire collapsed. For nearly a century, Europe was tossed into turmoil and chaos as Visigoths and other Germanic tribes ravaged most of Europe. However, out of the chaos emerged the legacy of Christ in the form of the Catholic Church, and with its Pope restored the law and order that only Roman emperors could once provide. Throughout the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church remained the final authority not just moral behavior, but everything scientific as well, with individual sin being branded a cause for the Black Plague, or the promotion of the geocentric theory, which stated the Earth was the center of the universe, despite Galileo proving otherwise. The Catholic Church would be challenged several times with the creation of the Eastern Orthodox Church over the usage of religious icons the Anglican Church with the divorce of King Henry VIII. However, none would deal as devastating a blow as the Protestant Reformation led by Martin Luther in the 16th century. Luther, in his 95 theses, clearly outlined how the Catholic Church had become corrupted by the selling of indulgences or pardons for sinful behavior in exchange for money. Furthermore, the Catholic Church discouraged people outside the priesthood from learning how to read and interpret the Bible for themselves. The Protestant Reformation, along with the Renaissance, helped respark Europeans' imagination and desire to discover scientific truth on their own. Most notably, scientists such as Francis Bacon would go on to create our modern scientific method which allowed ordinary people to come up with hypotheses and experiment. As science was taking off, Europeans were also once again rediscovering the ancient Greek idea of humanism, an idea which emphasizes human agency in solving problems. This thinking would extend all the way to the 17th century, during the Age of Enlightenment, in which governments began to more closely resemble democratic Greek city-states rather than oppressive monarchs who ruled by divine right, or the idea that God appoints who should be ruler of a particular area. The Enlightenment would see the birth of the United States and lead to the removal of oppressive monarchs all over Europe. Into the 19th century, however, conflict was beginning to emerge between science and religion once more but this time in a much more revolutionary way. Ideas such as evolution, which were influenced by the ideas of Charles Darwin, and the discovery of the remains of Arthropithecus and Homo Neanderthal would show that human beings were not the only uniquely intelligent creatures that once inhabited the Earth. Carbon dating would also go on to prove that humans had been roaming the Earth for over 200,000 years in direct contrast to the Bible, which stated that humans had only been created 6,000 years ago. The conflict between the growth of science and religion would culminate with strong thinkers and writers such as Fyodor Dostoevsky and Kierkegaard, who helped birth the modern existential movement, which promotes that man is free to find meaning in anything that he so chooses and that no religion or society can or should dictate what is meaningful. Upon first glance, this notion appears very liberating. However, existentialism can often lead to intense feelings of dread, or existential angst, as it is known, as the person is riddled with immense levels of anxiety, as they soon discover that their proper path in life has no guarantee of being the correct one. As Russian author Dostoevsky put it, Existentialism isn't so aesthetic that it wears itself out showing that God doesn't exist. Rather, it declares that even if God did exist, that would change nothing. While some might have believed that existentialism would finally liberate the human from the chains of religious dogma, a much darker path began to emerge in the form of nihilism. The idea that life itself is devoid of all truth, and that life is inherently meaningless. This worldview is best encapsulated by the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche who said, God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all? the world has yet owned, has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe this blood off of us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? However, many scholars have debated whether Nietzsche meant that there is no God, and never was one, or rather that the Christian interpretation of God is no longer a valid one. Nietzsche expands upon this by writing inhuman, all too human. When we hear the ancient bells growling on a Sunday morning, we ask ourselves, is it really possible? This for a Jew, crucified 2,000 years ago, who said he was God's son? The proof of such a claim is lacking. Certainly the Christian religion is an antiquity projected into our times from remote prehistory. And the fact that the claim is believed, whereas one is otherwise so strict in examining pretensions, is perhaps the most ancient piece of this heritage. The words of Nietzsche would continue to be echoed throughout the devastation that was the 20th century. The Scopes Trial, in which a substitute teacher, John Thomas Scopes, was arrested for teaching evolution and convicted of violating the Butler Law, would further test the legitimacy of Christianity in the American eye. Although John Scopes lost the case, the brilliant defense attorney, Clarence Darrow, succeeded in further poking holes in Christianity with his fiery cross-examinations, which he asked whether members of the prosecution believed that Eve was removed from Adam? And how exactly did Cain obtain a wife when there were only four humans supposedly inhabiting the earth at that time? The holes in the Scopes Trial were also reinforced by the returning veterans of the First World War many of whom had lost limbs or perished in the trenches of Europe. Starting in the 1920s, postmodern literature, or literature that contains unclear plots, unreliable narrators, strong usage of irony, and lacks a large overall theme, began to flourish with writers such as Sartre, Kafka, and Camus, which challenged the conventional morality of biblical stories and other forms of canonized literature. Camus paints both an optimistic and grim appraisal when he says, if we believe in nothing, if nothing has any meaning, and if we can affirm no values whatsoever, then everything is possible and nothing has any importance. Perhaps no event represented the arrival of nihilism than that of the Second World War which brought the world the use of the atomic bomb, and left behind the horrors of the Holocaust. Unlike traditional warfare with its rules and boundaries, the Second World War would result in the loss of innocent lives on a scale the world had never seen before. For those that survived, the belief in a just and wise God remained too unbearable, leading them to either plunge knee deep to nihilism, or find refuge on the shores in the great isms of the 20th century, landing either in the Marxist-inspired, communist-controlled East, or the Adam Smith capitalist-controlled democracies of the West. Although for the latter half of the 20th century, the world experienced unprecedented times of peace and prosperity, the specter of nihilism has remained with us ever since. At the turn of the millennium, with American religious attendance having plummeted from a century ago, a new wave movement of atheists spearheaded by eminent scientists and writers such as Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and Christopher Hitchens have overtaken the popular discourse on religion and God. As Richard Dawkins writes in the book The God Delusion, To be fair, much of the Bible is not systematically evil but just plain weird, as you would expect of a chaotically cobbled together anthology of disjointed documents composed, revised, translated, distorted, and improved by hundreds of anonymous authors, editors, and copyists, unknown to us and mostly unknown to each other, spanning nine centuries. Dawkins is not wrong in describing the Bible, and probably most religious texts as differing languages and interpretations have a way of lionizing whatever a society wishes to be extracted and leaving behind that which the society already does not value. Scientific advances in stem cell research, cloning, social progress in terms of attitudes regarding homosexuality have indeed shed a light on some of the more disparaging and underdeveloped parts of the Bible. One need only look at the Ten Commandments and say to themselves, Must I always honor my mother and father? What if they abused me as a child? Is murder never justifiable? Well, what if I'm acting in self-defense or to protect the people that I love? It would appear that for every nugget of wisdom in which the Bible gives us, a thousand interpretations are born. With many calling into question the legitimacy of modern-day religion, it seemingly remains inevitable that the world will soon be fully enveloped in the black void that is nihilism. However, one ray of hope remains in this gift from the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates, who tells us, I know nothing but the certainty of my own ignorance. It is perhaps in this universal ignorance that we can safely admit that we don't fully understand the nature of God, the mysteries of the universe, and that an infinite number of unanswerable questions awaits us with each step we take forward towards true knowledge. For it is also Socrates that tells us awareness of ignorance is the beginning of wisdom. It is perhaps only when we seek to find truth out of the abyss of ignorance that our lives once again regain purpose. This concludes my introduction to nihilism. Please check out episode 1 to find out how nihilism pervades modern day life and how we can once again begin to seek the truth.